Welcome to Tactical Permaculture. I've worked on projects ranging from the poorest to richest clients, from inner cities to suburbs to farmlands to remote wilderness, from the eco-war front lines to celebrity backyards. In over 25 years of service to the earth and the community of life, I've learned that in the fight for sustainable survival, growing is half the battle. Go to tacticalpermaculture.com for more info. You gotta train for me Because I'm training for you We gotta love, love And revolution to do You better train for me Episode 19 Designing Green Ops for Non-Toxic Ecological Peace Fair, originally published April 29th, 2022. Actually, the other day I was going through some old files and I found um, some of the earlier, some of the earliest um, workings on this concept. Uh, and, and I've mentioned this before, but it's worth mentioning again. There was once upon a time um, I was uh, involved in a project that was the one of the most epic of my life where uh it was just the perfect canvas to to run a permaculture design course and um and the right sort of chemistry of personalities and 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 natural embedded setting to where we could have a lot of fun um doing campouts and and trainings and hosting uh instructors and we had a very very rustic yet um, somewhat luxurious sort of um, ranch house that was custom built um, and uh, and then this epic landscape that I was the, um, the the lead permaculture designer of and I brought a lot of uh, world-class permaculture instructors and um, and advisors onto the project and unfortunately there was a there was a uh, a relationship, a romantic relationship dynamic that brought it that brought it brought my involvement in that site um, to a to a, a really a bitter and, and abrupt end. So I've got some orf well, I got some bastard teenage food forest trees. Hopefully they're still alive. Hopefully the earthworks and the the. Um, swales everything is uh is still nurturing them and that would be the whole point it's like if you can <laughs> if you can break up with your land owning lover after installing a permaculture food forest um on their property um if you did it right you should it, it, it whether nurtured or neglected if if you were to ever <laughs> be invited to see it again it should be thriving and it should only need um bits of maintenance for it to really um sing if it's getting if anything sort of um overgrown in some areas hard to walk through or shaded out and whatnot so um that's when bill mollison would say the designer becomes the recliner when it when a system really matures and it's interesting because of all the trees i've planted i've been such a landless peasant nomad really um just going from one rug pole to the next uh, in life um and uh whatever maybe it's my karma maybe i'm just uh that uh 
that free spirit that likes to move on but um but mostly it's been working on other people's properties is the thing like my best work <laughs> my best energy my best efforts um have really gone into other people's properties and so you know with what with what i have left now working at my own site i can look back on some of the highlights some of the innovations obviously all of the hard lessons learned over all those years and all those other people's sites and i can um really work smart and and and, and uh, still work very hard but work a little bit smarter and implement things that were um there were a lot of things w would have only been possible at that one site and so we started to develop this concept of tactical permaculture as as a meetup to start with and bring in instructors with um military background um first responders uh people who work in the tactical industry which we were associated with at the time that i had been training with um and uh and associating with and so it was like it's worth now of all times as this you know this was uh i don't want i don't want to call it theoretical but i will say it was um i mean it was we were very entrepreneurial we were very enterprising we had a lot of momentum we had a strong base of supporters with what we were already doing which was kind of like wilderness survival campouts um permaculture trainings permaculture workshops um it was just very conducive basically like a camp a fort a camp you know a a place where oh, and also very much like um like a state park is actually what it was i mean it was it was like we were running a state park <laughs> and we were you know um very aligned on um building a new a new standard for for what it would mean to be um a a, a shamanically um guided shamanically informed eco warrior tribe you know and that was all coming through the 2012 movement the the burning man scene there was a lot of um cross pollination and and at that time for myself I was not I was still coming from extreme anarcho punk poverty and that come up for me at that in that at that time I I got to associate and 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 sort of um display my creative works to a f way higher um <laughs> way higher social strata and um from the local areas residents which were all very well to do to the sort of um the uh the burning man elite type of folks and so yeah i mean we we were making survival products we were we were at the top of our game and that was definitely like a a really sad um meltdown of a relationship that uh really I, i had hoped that it could have been reconciled in a much better way but uh, it was as close to a divorce that i've ever gotten in terms of um the hell of um carving up intellectual property and uh negotiating very bitter um very sour um sort of dealings with with how to um how to 
parcel out different aspects of, of a business that, that have been created with different moving parts and, and whatnot. So a long story short with that, you know, I came across um I came across the the original meetup sort of uh, itinerary of activities and it was all kinds of fun stuff. Um a lot of what a lot of what came to mind with that site was like okay um it's just worth kind of re- refreshing on this uh what what tactical permaculture would be as a as a training center experience beyond obviously it being i mean if first thing that comes to my mind now when i think tactical permaculture makes me think of the Viet Cong and the north vietnamese that's that's what i think about i look at the picture of uh, of a young woman a, or a, a, a young woman and her young daughter um operating a high powered belt fed machine gun with the rotating stand for that weapon being two pieces two two poles of bamboo and um i think about what it means to to fight and farm at the same time and um i can't ever get enough of 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 study of how the the resilience of the indigenous people of vietnam whatever whoever they were backed by or not backed by or whatever alliances were formed or whatever corruption was formed the backbone of that culture going back to the trung sisters who were the the uh, mythical but real life sisters who first um rebelled against the murdering of their the chinese uh warlords i believe murdering their husbands and they banded together and they led a movement that created the birth of a nation of vietnam so that is about as um militant feminist as you can get um and uh i think there's a, whatever there's a lot of mythology i don't and history and, and and mystery that i don't have i'm not fully clued in on but when i um feel into this idea that uh america lost in vietnam what something like half a million deployed personnel 58,000 deaths i don't know how many um i mean i, I may be confusing some of the numbers but uh I, yeah cuz i now i'm missing what the number of total casualties including including uh non-lethal injuries and whatnot but basically it was a fool's errand and i feel like a lot of people say in their past life i was some f- in the in my in my in my past life or in a past life i was some important historical mythical figure and and people i've heard the joke people never say they were just some some nobody you know what i mean in a past life i was just this total nobody um you don't ever hear people say that but i think honestly if i were to and i haven't i haven't <laughs> i haven't healed enough of the hell that i've experienced of trauma in this life to get back to what seems like the people who i know who do the deep tissue past life healing it's like i i'm i figured that what happens is you have to really clean up your current life's trauma and dramas and karma and your relationships and your relationship to yourself and all the everything that's within that surface level of this lifetime and then if you are successful at that relatively speaking in the medicine work whatever that might be of a tradition 
or sort of neo-shamanic tradition, I, I do believe and I do trust because some of the people who have worked on me are the ones who would say, yeah, last night, uh, yeah, I was doing some deep tissue work on one of my past lives. It's like, well, that indicating that they had done plant, they had done enough work on their current life to be able to have access to that deeper sort of ring of the soul, uh, like a ring of a tree kind of a thing. So I have not had a lot of past life experiences in this life, but I do know that, uh, that I have this sort of, um, a very, a very, uh, bizarre and unexplained since childhood, this extreme affinity to Southeast Asia and, um, everything from just getting enamored by Thailand from kickboxer and seeing this very exquisite and unique art artistic aesthetic of the Thai culture that I had not really directly experienced that really piqued my interest and then once I got more interested and immersed with martial all of course all the martial arts and whatnot but obviously in fact and the in the American um sort of lower middle class strip mall just clear-cut reality that I was living in um the the imagery of culture that I saw in Asia, Southeast Asia, that's what really got me very interested and and um and of course just growing up in the 80s fatherless latchkey kid you're you know watching Born the 4th of July and uh and full metal jacket um hopefully not too young you know but that that's what I was piping in um all of those all of those 80s movies about the Vietnam War and a lot of them were were very very deep and very critical um and fuck i mean probably the most important of the, one of them all which you wouldn't necessarily think of as as such is Jacob's letter because nothing if if someone asked me what the experience of my consciousness is like having survived what I've survived, I would say the only way I could ever really approximate it to anyone is to say you have to watch Jacob's Ladder at the point at which he starts being forced by what he's experiencing that's like this, you know, this very um, horrific, horrific um, sort of PTSD-like symptoms. When he starts to book up on demonology, like that's pretty much... I've gotten over the panic phase, but there was a panic phase and I have survived long enough to sort of master the the symptoms that you see him go through and, and be relatively calm about it. But the reality is I do, going back to this past life thing and this sort of early childhood um, Southeast Asia kind of um, uh, enigma that or this sort of mystique that I was very attracted to, um, yeah, you could just call it fetishizing the other, orientalism, whatever, but for me it seemed there was something else going on, and I think, I mean, I, I, there's no way that I'm the, I mean, there's got to be a lot of um, children of Vietnam War veterans who who live out the sort of karmas of their fathers, you know, I don't know, I know my father was enlisted, I don't know what he did, or I could probably find out, I kind of don't want to know, but... um I'm very, very estranged from from him if he's even alive. I don't even know at this point, but uh, but I do remember seeing his rucksack and his and our family name on it. So there is some history to be explored. 
Now, what he did or didn't do and whether or not he was one of the one of the um, atrocious offenders within the U.S. military, um, that's, that's hard to know. But I will say that, like, um, hey, the very, very horrific sort of... Um, before I could really be blamed... I mean, the shit that happened to me growing up that was extremely traumatic and, 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 and abusive, like... Um, I couldn't have earned that bad karma at that age in this life. And the notion that you, that, what is it that uh, Brother Carlos says, um, how demons enter, it's like from your parents, basically your, your sins, your parents' sins, and, um, and things that you do that may not be malicious, but they're negligent, and therefore they let demons in, like blacking out drunk, taking drugs, um, as as examples of sort of negligent um some people would even say porn and, and horror movies and stuff like that or <laughs> some christians say music that has a drum beat would be a form of like passive non-malicious um demonic uh, demonogenic activity so if they're lurking in the ethers um waiting for us to behave in manners that allow them in it's very scary to think about it's really scary to think about um, what what it would look like if uh, if if once the demons are in your your parents from their sins, that they basically have carte blanche access to your soul through a inherited bloodline of demonic descent through through their sins. So, um, you know, I'm not shy about speaking in these sort of. Uh, New Testament-ish terms or whatever because I'm interested in mixed healing arts and I'm interested in in layering um, a composite picture of what uh, mostly South American ayahuasca shamanism has taught me uh, as I have been uh, healed in many ways in, uh, by that work and those lineages, uh, several of them. And, uh, and it was just the be very beginning, but it, most importantly, it showed me what was going on inside of my soul, inside of my chakras, in the traumatic wounds of this lifetime. And it, and it definitely begs the question, since I haven't gone back far enough through that work, there's still such a dogpile of demon nests all over me at all times, at this moment even, um, that, uh, yeah, to be able to see deeper into those layers, it's, it's, it's hard to know. But, I, but hopefully someday I will get to know. Maybe, maybe what this life is about is about the atonement for the sins of not just my father in Vietnam, if he was even deployed there, which I don't know. But, but generationally speaking, yes, I am the son of the Vietnam. I am a child of the Vietnam War era. era. And um, that was not a great war in terms of... Um, In, in, for for many for many reasons, I I don't need to spend a lot of time going into that, but what I will say is that um, yeah, I, I often wonder if uh, if some of my soul part fragments are scattered somewhere out there in the jungles of Vietnam, and um, and probably there's basically a, a, an amalgamated mass of shredded soul parts all over the astral plane of all of the 
all of the fodder, all of the pawns used by the war machine um, to in some ways uh, fertilize the land, in other ways putrefy it, spread disease, and of course with all the napalm and Agent Orange and whatnot, and all of the unexploded artillery and mines and whatnot, it basically, it's unspeakable. I mean, I just can't believe from a national karmic perspective how how there has not been more um, more grieving and more how you can just sort of um, have gotten away with that. But, you know, that's the story of a lot of parts of the world. I mean, it's just one atrocious chapter of um, of just raising the landscape in the name of whatever. It's just one chapter after another of, of all that with worse and worse weapons. Um, so with all of that said... If tactical permaculture to me is like um, it can take on a lot of meanings from the idea of having a permaculture design course where you learn everything in the permaculture design course but it's learned also in a, well basically you learn on a site where where there's a stacking of functions of the design of the site so it is a it's obviously designed it's obviously designed to be defensible and it's designed to so that basically the byproduct of the the obstacle courses the byproduct of the um of of the ballistics and the archery the the byproduct of all of those of those of those skills even the combat hand-to-hand stuff um, but anything that you would do to harden a person to get them in shape anything you would do to um, develop their skills on the battlefield uh, their warrior skills of combat with uh, weapon systems um, on all scales that there would be uh, that there would be an ecological value to those behaviors so that it wasn't all just trampling the earth and leaving no no beneficial byproduct of having expended all of that energy. I mean, you think about obviously the wasted dollars that go into all of the kinetic warfare training. I mean, it's it's absurd. It's it's obscene, of course. But what about? I mean, what about the kilocalories burnt of just rucking in circles? I mean, right? Like, and even the obstacle courses and whatnot. So I have thought about so many different ways that you can become a masterful warrior um, while, while seed, basically <laughs> propagating seeds and propagating plants vegetatively is basically like the um, the obvious byproduct of that. So we think about like machetes and managing sugarcane, um, ma- managing bamboo, um, carving up melons and squash and pumpkins and like the idea that you could 
train Pakiti Tershikali and, and, and be shredding up all kinds of um, gourds and uh, squashes and pumpkins and melons that are, um, that are suspended by, by ropes. Um, those ropes could be grown on site. So you could grow your weapons, grow your training materials regeneratively and be, at the end of the day, you're creating not a toxic wasteland that, that leeches and kills your own wives and children on the base from all the toxic hell that you're creating on your base, but really not just greening a base, a military base, but having it be um, ecologically correct and yielding and have that be um, a standard. So, and, and it's funny because I think about like, yeah, what you're doing is you're, <laughs> you're trying to reinvent the wheel and reverse engineer the Viet Cong and the North, more, more so the, the Viet Cong than, let's say the, I mean, the Viet Cong were the real um, insurgent villagers more so. So they were the fighter farmers more than the career soldier military forces. So they were more deeply embedded in their ecosystem and their weaponry, which a lot of it was um, bamboo based, honestly, uh, to be able to just repair bridges with bamboo and make, I mean, it's just, an, it's just, um, As a permaculture designer who wants to have somewhat of a physical security resilience level, it's like if I could have one billionth of what just came natural as a cultural inherited warrior tactical permaculture legacy legacy to the Viet Cong, you know, I wonder, I know that, the, I, I wonder what the legacy of that exposure is. It can't just be the drugs and the venereal diseases, which probably the GI, I mean, I'm not going to point fingers, but basically, like, what what are the yields of that war? I know there are a lot of Southeast Asian post-Vietnam War diaspora people who brought back permaculture to the United States into community gardens and into um, their backyards and, like, importing a lot of those uh, those rare fruit trees, those rare uh, water plants. Um, and basically, like in Southern California, you'd be surprised how, um, how much permaculture ecology there is to explore. And I remember being in permaculture groups where we would just take our little um, sort of, uh, take ourselves down a notch and be humbled to realize that like what we were trying to synthesize as um, mostly urban folk that did not grow up even on farms, but are just sort of book interested in ecology and book interested in gardening and whatnot. And some of us more interested in the science of permaculture than the gardening aspect, the engineering principles, but going on tours of the Southeast Asian gardens and seeing like, fuck, I mean, <laughs> we were, we had no idea what's possible in terms of the multidimensionality and the layering of, of, of different, um, yeah, very traditional, very ancient, um, this is real indigenous horticulture going back um, millennia. So, um, yeah, it's very, it's very humbling. And um, 
why this matters to talk about now of all times is that really what's so pressing about this moment is that uh, we're talking about food scarcity worldwide, shortages of the grain crops, the cereal grain annual crops that decimate the soil anyway and require very unsustainable chem ag inputs of fertilizer. So this Farmageddon moment is... Um, as a permaculture ambulance chaser, this is my duty to stand up and say, um, yeah, excuse me, this is the time where where the leaders of the world really need to talk to the people like Jeff Lawton and really get serious about about applying military budgets for national security towards ecological security, ecological and food security and stability, stabilizing regions with um tactical and strategic permaculture design implementations and um don't get me started i've i've talked about it quite a bit before but because now it's like everything that i've everything that i've said that i've basically tagged <laughs> with the sub or the prefix on my podcast to be tactical permaculture colon xyz now that playlist is is more apt than ever because People are feeling it. And, and uh, just now, um, just a moment ago, I had read that a Kali or a goddess temple, a goddess temple in India has people doing tantric pujas, praying for the price of lemons to go down. And um, I thought that was very apt for, 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 this, for this moment, what I'm talking about. Um, yeah, the global food crisis, at what point... Is it, it at what point um, do you have victory gardens again, and um, and what what would that look like if if you haven't heard of victory gardens? It was it was I believe during World War, two, it, I believe it was World War Two, but I could be there's there's no reason yeah there's no reason why it couldn't have been both or or World War One, but I'm pretty sure it was World War Two this phenomenon that they call victory gardens where so much of the food supply had to go to the um, deployed forces overseas that they were there was a strain on food so they wanted people to grow their own food very very much to be a part of the war effort so it was almost like defense production act it's your backyard you need to grow your own food you know what i mean to uh to 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 um to do your part to be in service to the nation during wartime so i mean you can print all the money that you want but at a certain point if you're if you're <laughs> if you can't fertilize your crops with fossil fuels um then you're going to have to start talking to permaculture designers about how you fertilize your crop with humanure with every scrap every shred of um, compostable material that's non-toxic that you can find and and talk to people like Paul Stamets about how to detoxify and remediate soil with mycology. So, right now I'm very keen to to study at what point, there when the tipping points start to occur where it's not just back to the land because of covid which 
is um, a noteworthy sort of um, step in the right direction of, um, of of evacuating cities and 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 depopulating the cities and and really dispersing in homesteading in in rural um, in rural areas. That is a healthy turning of the tides that that COVID has um, sort of initiated. Whether that lasts is is hard to say. It did not last. Um, it did. It didn't really. I mean, my mother has explained to me about how how technology brought people out of the back to the land movement, and and really, in her view, as a technologist herself, would say that the back to the land movement that she was a very pioneering member of was sort of. Um, the spirit of the back to the landers was kind of tech was starting to eat their lunch to give them a reason to go back to the cities. The economy sort of stabilized. There were more opportunities for, for, for income in the cities. A lot of people, they, they moved too far out of the cities and that's why their projects failed. And even Jeff Lawton would say that it's interesting to think about how the majority of back to the land movements of the seventies failed and possibly because they just didn't know simple things at that time, like how to, orient yourself to the sun so you get maximum solar solar exposure over the course of the whole year and you don't end up trying to farm on a shaded shaded side of a slope where you're going to be doomed so anyway point being you know i don't have i'm not celebrating a mass exodus permaculture renaissance permaculture revolution because people left the city because of covid i don't i don't i don't know at what scale that's happening um i don't know how long that would continue anyway but but what what is a a, a more um a more urgent or or a more possibly um what's the right word uh a less optional or or a, a less trendy A less a less reversible trend would be if there is a point at which it becomes a matter of life or death to tear up your lawn and figure out how to grow food on it. And um, if you have a lawn, and if you don't have a lawn, that that could be your roof, that could be your fucking sidewalk, that could be the street that you live on. You know, there's soil underneath that that fucking prison the the sort of horizontal prison wall that imprisons you (laughs) i can think of it that way you lay lay on the ground and say i'm laying on the prison wall that separates me from the soil and uh and and i want to make a prison break and i want to give myself a jackhammer and a pick and some sledgehammers and i want to start tearing up this fucking street and the sidewalk and start and break free out of that urban prison vertical or the the horizontal prison walls that is the sidewalk and the street and fucking get free and reclaim reclaim the birthright of being integrated with the soil and having your your waste products fertilize the soil within walking distance in a hygienic manner that creates a circle of life and that sustains far more than you and that the fucking seeds that you eat that you shit out actually come to life and sprout and grow in the trees that you enjoy the shade of 
you know, that is the natural order. And, um, yeah, I mean, for me, tactical permaculture as a, (laughs) as a, a niche within a niche, as a sort of, um, like, uh, a brand or an experience or, or a sort of, um, obviously a philosophy. It's like, what, what, what happens when, for example, like in Detroit, I think Detroit as a case study in tactical permaculture is profound because they've done a lot of urban renewal, regenerative design, urban farming, and in the midst of, of, of a drug war zone. And so the I'm very curious what kind of um, social psychology, what kind of um, gang diversion programs, how garden, guarding the garden, guarding the garden as a way to channel um, male aggressive energy into defending something sacred like an urban farm, um, what kind of tactics that kind of tactical permaculture uh, yields? I can say for myself, I remember the high, I think the, mo- the proud, some of the proudest moments of my life weren't me being the hero, but me being in league with the heroes that were the local South Central farmer community and the anarcho-punks that were um, living in that drug war zone, that gang war zone. And they had the um, the Zapatista-like spirit and militancy that created a strong perimeter uh, for the South Central Farm occupation. And so seeing the way they ran that, to me, that was the most badass revolutionary fortress that I'd ever fucking been to. And, I, and I, I, I've, uh, I've been to a lot of the, the more like um, fluffy, <laughs> mostly white sort of uh, occupations in the forest and in the streets and whatnot. And uh, you know, there's, there's uh, not to put that down because it has a place, but there is something else to behold watching real fucking urban gorillas hold their, protect and defend their, the food source that their parents and that their relatives are generating and supplying. And my band played a show in the middle of the uh, South Central Farm, in the middle of that, um, campaign. And if you don't know about it, you haven't watched any documentaries about it. It was the biggest urban, um, community garden slash farm in the United States that uh, had a treacherous political um, battlefield of a history in terms of its zoning and its sort of funding and what who would be possessing it and who held rights to it. And basically it was a big fucking rug pole that uh, got sold out and I watched, I was there as part of the perimeter to keep it from being bulldozed. And I was unfortunately, um, yeah, one of the people who, who was, uh, displaced by force in order for those bulldozers to come in and completely devastate the whole thing. And to this day, that was over 15 years ago. The tragedy is, I don't, I don't know that they even ever did anything with it. It seemed like it was just a big, um, symbolic, um, psychological operation to crush the morale of the people to dare to grow their own food in in the city but uh 
Yeah, I'm very curious if we're coming anywhere closer to a point where the global tactical landscape that is geopolitics and war, World War Three, the end of peacetime, and the um, it's like if the mentality of people is just like, oh, how does how does more expensive gas sort of feel to look at, and how does it affect my pocket? If that's the depth of the sort of masses right now of what's going on, um, then, yeah, if they're, I mean, if they can figure out how to <laughs> do some sort of Wizard of Oz shit to make it seem like the price of gas is like stabilized or whatever, and then everybody, and then now, you know, COVID is basically uh, um, choose your own adventure with COVID is what it basically has come down to. So I, I, I could be very cynical about, 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 I'm not very utopian that, that people are going to take this um, global tactical situation as a, as an incentive um, to really dig, to, to, to establish deep roots. But I, I, I always have to shout out in the spirit of South Central, shout out um, the TED Talk by Ron Finley, who I consider a personal colleague, and um, the Ron fin the Ron Finley uh, definitive TED Talk on LA Green Grounds organization planting in the ghetto, planting food forests in the ghetto, and his story. I mean that's probably the most compelling single unit of media that I could ever refer anybody to about <laughs> planting some shit. <laughs> and so I really hope that, um, fuck, if you're, if you're in any spectrum of despair whatsoever, you watch that and you're going to be like, my work's cut out for me. I'm going to dance to a different beat and I'm going to, following the footsteps of Ron Finley's movement. Uh, and to me, every permaculturist who wanted to have a soulful representative stand up and make it sexy, man, he fucking did it. And he's doing it. So um shouting out to him uh, forever and ever. And um yeah, I mean, him talking about things like getting the gangs into slanging heirloom seeds and like he wanted to, I don't know if he did this but he talked about wanting to make a, a make a video or something where where he would, you would see what looked like a drug deal but it's like a gangster gardener yeah he was the pro, he was the progenitor of the gangster gardener mystique you would not be cool you would not be respected if you were not a gardener in the hood so um yeah the idea of like slanging heirloom seeds to 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 a granny you know, on the street corner instead of selling crack. That was his vision. And I think he's made a lot of progress there. But talk about fucking tactical permaculture, man. I mean, all these greeny weenies that are like pacifist hippies come out of colleges and I'm one of them. You know, I, I yeah, I had a, <laughs> I, I, I lived on the street, you know, and I was a street kid uh, for part of my life. And I, you know, I had my, a fair share of um of just pretty mild violence growing up 
I, I wasn't raised by a physically abusive um, figure, and uh, and I wasn't in street gang. I well, I guess technically I was in a sort of a street gang, but I did not. There were very very violent people in that street gang. Luckily, I was blessed uh, to not be like um, pushed to conduct any acts of violence. But I suppose if I would have stayed with, running with that crew. I would have been knocking people's teeth out and doing curb jobs and fucking robbing people. I mean, there was a lot of fucked up shit. But they, I was so young, I was the mascot. I was, you know, a 12-year-old mascot, so they just wanted to punk me out and um, protect me, really. I didn't have to fight for my, my Doc Martens and my Mohawk because I was sort of, uh, I was exempted by my by my young age. And those, the violent people, they would protect me and they would, they would fuck each other up to protect to protect me so you know that was um that was a blessing for me but so i say that with all res- because of out of respect to the the gangster gardeners and the people who um are like hardened by real urban violence and also skilled in if the, if they're skilled in the tactics of defense with weaponry with communications with just special operations that's very fascinating to think about what happens if i mean i've i've thought about what would happen in a real urban shit at the fan if you had the skill to grow food you would basically be you, if you didn't have your own might you would be basically annexed and 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 kidnapped to be growing food and you would be enslaved by the gangs to grow their food and medicine if you had the skills and and you you know so that's just like um the apparatus to to control the underground economy if um if if a, if a nation starts to collapse if a city starts to collapse what basically happens is it's not Mad Max overnight, but it's 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 not rocket science, and there's plenty of social science studying the fact that basically what it means when shit hits the fan, <laughs> for the most part, is that there's more worse crime where it already existed and more crime where it didn't exist before, and all of that crime is carved up by the 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 um the street gangs and the cartels and whatnot so yeah i mean the um we it may we may be as a uh <laughs> the united states may as at large may see itself as being very far from a sort of um banana republic so-called level of um rampant warlords and lack of rule of law without rule of law where (laughs) your little fruit stand or your little boutique or whatever you're doing your little hustle gets taxed by gangs and you're liable to be uh, caught up in um in in warring automatic rifle fire from warring gangs trying to take your (laughs) tax money for your little fruit stand you know how that that's the reality for a lot of the people um, who I would call myself my I would call myself I would call them my dearest friends my deepest comrades you know I put in a lot of 
heart and soul into the South Central community as a permaculture designer and um, and as a punk rocker with my music and uh, part of that fabric of the soul of L.A. and uh, the people who I respect the most and who I salute the, the highest, they were the people who I did see that they were like... <laughs> It wasn't a joke, you know, their tactical proficiency, their survival um, skills, their resourcefulness and their ability to live and, 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 and breathe and survive in this um, extremely toxic, extremely dangerous and violent underground. It was a fucking miracle that I, that I was in, accepted in, in, that, in, that, in that world. And there's a lot to... A lot of lessons for me to um, explore over time, but uh, but it's yeah. So I know what it's like for tactical permaculture in the hood to get real, very very fucking real, and um, for a lot of shit to be life and death over the street politics, the gang politics, um, the the policing agendas and politics, what the who's trying to get reelected and what their sweeps are gonna do. Um, yeah, a lot of a lot of Americans would see that as all beneath them, but but as the economy experiences the effects of World War III, um, that street shit is going to get a lot more fucking real, and it's gotten pretty street in like well, it's street as hell in the, the grocery stores in China, where where thankfully the the people are so. Um, so close to their heritage of eating mostly fresh produce that yeah i saw eric dings posting in the videos of brawls going down at the supermarkets over getting the last head of lettuce you know so to speak at the uh, at the at the grocery store before as the lockdowns were, were clamping down so that's fucking real shit and uh and i'm sure that um I will be very, very curious to think about what what a, a permaculture, um, like you take the energy of the Hong Kong protests and you and you you um, add to that mix the 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 MacGyverness of of being a, a trained permaculture designer, and that just blows my mind. And I already know, you know, that's. Um, the, the the so-called traditional ecological knowledge the uh the history the deep history of horticulture in in china it's it's um it's so fucking exquisite permaculture does permaculture as a science doesn't have so much to add but i know there's a lot of people who are just lost in the techno sphere and the techno age and you know the i'd be very curious if what starving people in the chinese lockdowns if they were to, if if a permaculture designer's manual isn't banned by the Great Firewall of China, and they can, because it's very subversive. <laughs> but if you, I would love to see, you know, fuck, they start, <laughs> they go to the robot dogs and they just put a bunch of uh, sticky um, seeds all over them. So wherever they go, they plant a tree. I mean, who knows? You get very creative with guerrilla gardening. But but that's what I'm very interested in is like, what I what I want to be um, front and center on studying is like how 
the spirit of survival informed by permaculture and a World War III, no more drunk on prosperity, no more peacetime um, sort of uh, freeloader pacifism. You know, if, if, when 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 you have when it's between a food riot and a food forest, or or the the sort of um, the violence and the pain, the suffering and the the brutality that 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 has no seems like it has no alternative but to happen in these states of uh, supply chain uh, disasters that uh, that these wars are causing and, and and sanctions for rightly or wrongly that's there's um, you, you you can't have it both ways if you impose sanctions you're you know going to have this blowback on supply chains and on on and on and on commodity prices and and whatnot. So <laughs> I say that well 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 ordering for five bucks ordering um, two thousand oregano seeds, you know, that are almost fucking microscopic. And I'm thinking about fuck. I will be I will be lucky if if I can. If I can um, <laughs> force myself away from doing cyber things in the digital realm and in the office, doing the op- remote office work, man, if I could, if I were to force myself to actually take responsibility to pot up and plant and nurture every single one of those two thousand oregano seeds, a, I'm gonna have a. I'm gonna be. I would be able to have a very profitable business just by adding water and sunlight and a bit of compost that I already have. You know, sunlight is basically free. The compost is already paid for. I do have to import the water, so that's a bit of a premium. But then I value add fertility to that water organically. And um, fuck, I mean, all it takes at that point is time and and care and uh, protection from the elements and the tactics of defending uh nursery plants from all of the all of the competitors uh, that would like to that decimate it um you know bless their hearts uh we need we need we need some some pests in order you have to have pests if you want the predators to have food so it's a it's a balance that we need to be responsible for and um yeah i'm pretty i'm pretty fired up there's this is just a sort of um it's not a drill i mean this is tactical permaculture is no longer a theoretical armchair philosophical hobby exercise of mine this is a a call to um shovels and and picks and a call to um for those of us who who have been sort of like uh waiting for the moment for the it's not just back to the land but the um the the local food revolution to really yeah for people to put down video game consoles and put down their phones and actually take full 100% closed loop responsibility for where their water and food and medicine comes from and what they do with their own personal biological waste products for that to be a, a 
a sound, ecologically sound um, closed loop system. Um, a lot of us have spent a lot of time becoming masterful in these in these regards and uh it, you know everything every site is different you know you're tested on your book knowledge things can fail things can you can you have to be very open-minded and flexible as you grow in this movement but i'm very curious if um yeah what what kind of um what kind of following through and delivering on the promise there's going to be when when people are ready to put down the video game console put down the smartphone and um and get real with planning some shit <laughs> because they have to and um yeah i really hope that uh I really hope that the the other permaculture designers out there are are taking whatever steps they can to um to make it uh very to really facilitate an influx of uh of energy of people wanting to wanting to do this and and in some places out of necessity and um yeah, it's it's definitely um that's that's the dream. I mean the dream is is to be able to to scale into uh an acute demand, you know, and be able to hum along regardless, not to be dependent on a mass influx of interest and 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 uh and energy, but but to be able to adapt to it and scale with it and and, and put it to work, you know, really solve local problems really um get out of the classroom so to speak and make the practic make the permaculture design practicum be solving real problems in the here and now um that's what permaculture is great for best known for i mean most of the pdcs taught throughout the world are basically like we're gonna do this fucking thing right here and in the and you're gonna get a, a permaculture design certificate as a byproduct of doing what needs to be done to get sustainable right fucking here so um yeah our work is cut out for us those of us who are permaculture designers and those of us who are less on the sort of um <laughs> the pacifist end of the spectrum and those of us who are very much like uh find the tactical aspect of permaculture to be very romantic and and as as, as romantic as it is just sensible and and necessary and um something you cannot live without you cannot <laughs> neglect physical security period in the survival rule of threes it's like three fucking nanoseconds three three seconds i mean they say that uh, most gunfights there's a rule of three for gunfights three meters three seconds three rounds and so in the survival rule of threes, if it's uh, three, se- three minutes without air, three hours without shelter, three days without water, three weeks without food, three months without love, <laughs> tipping my hat again, as always, to Ron Hood for that one. Um, but 
Yeah, add to the survival rule of threes. Three seconds to win a gunfight. <laughs> so, <laughs> you, you, it's, yeah, we, 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 we have got to be, uh, if, I mean, I don't know how many permies are listening to me in my little lane here, um, but I will say that uh, fighting and farming that's ninja you know that's warrior um poetry uh par excellence i mean read some read some samurai texts or or just watch ghost dog <laughs> and that's that'll bring you up to speed so this is real this is not a fucking drill and if we had an ounce of um, remorse as a, as a nation for what the United States did to Vietnam, we would want to... Um, I mean, I feel... I feel it has been a great uh, atrocity to... Um, I mean, what if, um, what if my generation, the, the son, the, 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 the children of the Vietnam War era had some either moral obligation or some sort of stipend or just like, what if reparations if what if reparations actually entailed like yeah we we sent all these people over to to defoliate and toxify and compl- i mean like maim this beautiful culture that has already been torn ragged by so many invaders and so many colonizers i mean imagine if imagine if a an an equal amount of money and energy and bodies and time and deployed individuals went into actually uh, not just sweet deal the way that the way that these construction rackets work yeah we'll bomb you in the stone age and, and while we're doing it be making sealing the deal to rebuild it with our uh, favorite um, crony capitalism no, I mean, um, the idea of rep- ecological reparations doing permaculture design and actually what it would look like if, um, yeah, if, if a lot, if, if making um, peace, the peace work and the, the restorative, regenerative, uh, uh, restorative justice work between the United States and Vietnam resulted in. Um, a vast number of Americans really learning how to to be ecologically um, to live very rich ecological lives and to develop uh, local food security. I mean, imagine how subversive would it be for the domino effect for like <laughs> for Americans to to 
tear up their lawns and establish aquaculture systems and be growing bamboo and not just ornamentals and what I mean that's like a scenario that Philip K. Dick could have had a, a good time exploring like what if not if not just what if Hitler won what if what if the children the American children of the Vietnam War veterans were were somehow compelled to um go and fucking clean up all the mines and go and 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 build uh do just do all of that all of that that social restoration work and in the process just be just fall in love and be enchanted by the ecology and the human ecology and want to come back and transform the american landscape and make it and terrace it and fucking like I know that the, I know that there are pockets of Viet Cong fucking resistance to this fucking day just bursting at the seams of those backyard gardens where they're just waiting to fucking roll out the t- it's like you don't need fucking tanks when you got that kind of um food forest ecology you know it's going to roll itself out so um yeah if you know where to look <laughs> is very it's a it's a beautiful thing what a, what a poetic what poetic justice it would be if just like people say yeah someday you know the prophecies will come true that the the the, the thankless american um or the thankless settlers that came and decimated the native american people in ways that they oftentimes had to learn how to survive that was supposed to be the essence of what thanksgiving was the true history is far more grim and atrocious but uh but the reality is um yeah the colonizing white man uh out of europe has a lot to learn from the indigenous people that have been displaced and um Yeah, we're still at a very surface level if it's just about the price of gas and the price of and, and inflated food prices. When it comes down to a point where starvation is real, then we're going to fucking wish we had um, we had gotten serious about this a lot sooner. And uh, and what a what a fucking tragic shame that uh, so many of our fucking weapons are named. <laughs> so many of our weapon systems are named after conquered Native American tribes, and so little of our diet is comprised of of the lineages of horticulture that um, that were conquered. So the irony of the irony of having had so much to learn from the sustainable horticultural ways of the native inhabitants of North America, and some of them do still exist and can be learned from the tragedy and the irony of that, and the tragedy and irony of having spent all of those lives and all of that money to engage in total destruction of Vietnam and to have so little of a 
of a counterbalancing force of the the ecological richness um, cross pollinating coming back and and I I know like I said I know there is a, there is a degree of it but that's um, that wasn't that fucking long ago and there are vets there are vets who are still alive any one of those fucking badass nom vets out there writing books about all of their missions you know they could become tactical permaculture commanding officers you know what I mean so get fucking with it people um, and the last thing I'll say is just something timely is I'm, I'm watching this uh, series um, Animal Weapons and um, always always being reminded that uh, whatever utopian pacifist tendencies I still have whenever I actually have to whenever I watch nature programs it's when I realize like no it's always an evolutionary ar- arms race you know we just happen to be a species that uh, that uses technology as, as, as weaponry because we don't have sharp teeth we don't have claws we don't have stinging we don't have stingers you know we we are pretty tactically um, inept as uh, out of the box. So, you know, the trade-off was to develop um, the larger brain that can be used to create these implements. And so at our peril, you know, it's gotten way ahead of um, the technology of destruction has gotten way ahead of the technology, uh, appropriate technology of weaponry for survival. And so the reason I bring up and want to end with this thought I had or this... um, references animal weapons is like the uh the narrator says these these animal weapons they're they're they've evolved for survival not for destruction and she wasn't trying to make any kind of really like um polemic some political statement about about that it was just very matter of fact and but it was very on point for me and my studies and my thinking is like how do you strike that balance and how do you how do you not be too not don't be too soft and don't be too hard you know that's that's sort of the that's the question and if you're an organism and your entire weaponization is in a large percentage of your actual physiology biology your armor your what like that's you are weaponized um period like that you are an instrument of of the sort of the 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 war game of your own survival not being eaten and trying to get some food (laughs) not be eaten while trying to get some food um and uh so acknowledging the design of weaponry and the art form that military art the, the the art and science of of um of militancy shall we say like that you you can't that that's never going to go away and it never can go away and it never should go away and it's not appropriate to <laughs> if you get too soft then you become vulnerable to attack so there has to be a shell to crawl into there has to be a a, a way to retreat all of these 
Oh, so that's a way for me to, 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 to definitely show some deep respect to those among us who are actually very much genetically predisposed to be all of the ranks within the military and all of the nerds who create the technology that they use. The question is not, do we, do we design, um, weapons and do we be be or do we train masters of warfare that's to me that's not the question the question is if you're a parasitic warrior and you destroy your host then you undermine your sort of uh, mission right like how about a mission where you do no harm to nature and 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 that your battles your um i mean if a geneva convention evolves to a point where trees have rights you know where trees have rights where where plants and animals have rights and and a war crime is basically driving a tank at all is a war crime you know what i mean like that to me is makes me feel that um the appropriate balance the harmonious balance, the fair and, and equal and, and nature-loving, appreciating balance is to say, yeah, you can be as fucking weaponized as you want, but do it organically. Have your little fucking war games and your little politics and your little fucking fake borders and fake religions, all that bullshit. Yeah, do that all. And while you're at it, yeah, knock yourselves out. But leave uh, non-toxic fertilize what makes the grass grow blood 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 well well how about um how about less toxins in that blood how about less uh toxic fuel i mean imagine imagine if what was considered legal warfare had zero carbon had zero uh ecological basically you had to be um i mean i don't believe in a lot of the legal systems period but but I will say that for myself like how I reconcile this very troubling very disturbing sort of paradox of um being <laughs> writing born to kill with the peace symbol button on your hat like on the cover of a uh, full metal jacket you know the the duality of man sort of um paradox it's like I'm going to continue to not just pray, but actually live by an example of like what it would look like to not just green sort of, yeah, greening the military is one very important thing, but the idea of like fucking crazy horse being a bandit and riding right stealing a fucking settler's horse riding it to escape from the cavalry and then riding it until no knowing how to keep it alive healthfully as long as humanly possible as long as ecologically possible but then knowing at what point it's time to 
end its life and, and carve it up and eat it and go on foot like that kind of contingency planning are you gonna fucking carve up you're gonna drive your car till it runs out of gas and then you're gonna fucking eat it and use that energy to get yourself to the next uh ambush like I mean, there's no, uh, there's no end to the studies of, of the, the, the guerrilla warfare of indigenous people um, trying to survive. And it wasn't that long ago that there were no, there was no petroleum, there were no toxins that were um, synthetic and, and chemical based and, and, there, and It's very it would be very naive to to hope that we're going to ratchet down the 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 high tech high I mean just the uh, all the plastic I mean you what do you say war can wars can only be fought with, with with no plastic on the battlefield period like that's <laughs> that's the new law that's the new international law it's like okay well then we just pick up where we left off right at uh, wherever that was when it was world war Two, and there was just rubber and glass and metal and wood <laughs> you know no we're with 3d printing and fucking all i mean i wish it was possible to hold back and throttle this but technologically speaking there's just no AI and fucking drone warfare and all there's having the competitive edge in war it's too the compulsion to continue on that trajectory of technological warfare advancement with zero ecological ethics and zero sense of like um I mean there there is something to be said for now I've expanded this thought, this thought of like animal weapons for survival, not destruction. That's that should be that that'll have to be a whole a whole be, beginning of a whole nother sort of series, but it's important to own warriorship and the easiest way to do that is just watch a nature program or go outside and watch nature watch the ecological battlefield be an ecological battlefield (laughs) and like you fucking fungus monkeys want to go and clobber each other and like fight over dumb shit like the name of god and and who owns what and who controls what yeah that's fine knock yourself out but so far that fucking pattern of warfare since domestication and civilization over the past five to ten thousand years the net result has been it's been basically feeding the ecology of pathology of of pathogens venereal diseases the um, spreading of of all kinds of animal uh, derived plagues I mean 
it makes me wonder what what um what it would look like if modern nation states said we're going to do a we're going to stage a military exercise where like okay everybody's barefoot <laughs> there i said it i said it something straight out of fucking the first earth battalion manual or something like that something straight out of uh i mean this is the time if you have any shakti any feminine any yin that you would be thinking fuck we better really we really really better be putting all of our creative energy into the spirit of the project jedi and the spirit of um of men who stare at goats basically it's like it's possible that people will like for example the nuclear non-proliferation treaties like there is um there progress has been made and potentially more progress could be made but the idea of like what what a fair fight from an ecologically ethical perspective would look like knowing that people are going to continue to fight over things but it's like for me I'm at war with anyone who has no respect for the ecology that they're that they're operating on, that they're maneuvering on, that they're that makes me personally at war with every nation state because there's not one nation state that um that that has a tactical permaculture department within their fucking military. That's that's basically comes down to that, you know. Um, they got psyops. They got fucking human sig ent. They got all kinds of fancy toys to play with. <laughs> but the eco- the ecology within the military, it's <laughs> so busy just greenwashing and trying to cover up the fucking disaster that that the just the basic maintenance of the military uh, industrial complex is <laughs> let alone actually thinking about how ecological warfare that is regenerative and that is um within certain um like you can't <laughs> undermine the the um the future generation's ability to to sustain themselves by whatever you're doing in the theater of war that would be very um that's very utopian it's very it's very limiting but it's almost like um there's all kinds of gradations and there's all kinds of pressure points and leverage points and sanctions and and whatnot so it it makes me very curious if if this blunt instrument that is canceling entire economies um very indiscriminately dis- i mean I, I, it's scary to think about and i'm not trying to get myself in trouble on either side here but i will say as someone who enjoys their freedom of speech i will imagine that what if there was nuance to sanctions where it's kind of like if you're going to invade a country and you do it on horseback versus using fossil fuels and tanks you will get sanction package a which is far less indiscriminate and fucking 
and uh, and far less uh, systemically catastrophic to your entire nation, your nation's future. Like they're they're just there's no fucking nuance when it comes to modern warfare in terms of uh, yeah. There's all kinds of Cold War nuance, but I would I would just love for departments of tactical permaculture from one warring nation to the next to be like that's where it could be very creative you know that's where it could be very creative to say you want to win fucking hearts and minds put food in their belly by I mean you could fucking (laughs) you could (laughs) you could drone bomb fucking seeds you could fucking airstrike missiles fucking loaded with invasive species that were edible and if you wanted your um target population on the other side of the border this whole thing it's like you're gonna go in and rape children and women and force every man to pick up arms when they have probably no experience whatsoever but they have a soul of iron to fight to defend their 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 land and the vulnerable uh, members of their of their nation and their community and the narrative is going to be you're, you're liberating them. I don't see how... I mean, what if every munition that has crossed the Ukrainian border was fucking loaded with Vietnamese food forest uh, seed plant stock that was appropriate to the region? So imagine that. If the, if, if the, if the fucking cutting edge of communism was like ecological empowerment and ecological stability and like instead you're just going to use these rich cultures like the Vietnamese to be a fucking proxy war playground for toxic carcinogenic I mean now I'm going in circles, but you get the fucking point. I mean, really imagine what the effect would be for the wealth of nations and for the power politics and for the geopolitics, you know? It is very possible to apply ballistic technology to deploy biological... I'm not going to say in one I'm not going to say the two words next to each other but but I will say that um well what if ecological weapons what if we call it what if it's not not so I will say it then in context it is it's fair it's not fair to fight with biological or chemical weapons but what if it was in under international law what if it was from rigorous scientific rulemaking, informed rulemaking, it was legal to engage in ecological warfare, and what that, what, the, and that would be, that would be determined by your fucking tactic, by the, 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 the Department of Tactical Permaculture, which would basically say, you know, okay, these 
I mean, if you think about fucking kudzu, and what, like if you think about water spinach, Kang Kong, I mean, I'm not trying to give anybody any fucking ideas, but I'm not the only permaculturist who has. Well, no, I'm not gonna say. I'm not gonna say those words myself. I will say. Whereas there is a extremely dangerous and malicious potential to like weaponize you can weaponize species you can weaponize microbes but if but if you were to say like I mean it's literally been done the science of like we're going to airdrop a an oasis in the fucking desert that's called greening the desert and jeff lawton basically did that and it's not quite that simple but it is almost that simple of like well we can basically fucking airdrop an oasis and that means we can <laughs> not just airdropping fucking starchy wheat fucking <laughs> like carcinogenic, obesogenic, uh, grain-based food aid that just creates a fucking public health nightmare, but actually airdrop the kits, the, the modules appropriate per climate and per the biome. I mean, and the thing is, that's not about being a hippie. That's not about utopian. It's like, what is your ultimate agenda? What is it that you want to achieve? You really want hearts and minds. You really want to be worshipped as 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 a hero of an empire. And <laughs> I mean, yeah, there's some people who are psychopathic enough to just have a bloodlust and just want to see carnage and destruction and death and. You know, you can train your fucking attack dog soldiers to, like, be addicted to that adrenaline of that kind of violence on the battlefield. But for the most part, I think most people, they will want to have a leadership politically where they feel like um, those the, 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 the qualities of, uh, of valor, the, um, the virtue of those leaders is, is in how much abundance that they created and it's like you if your empire if your empire is so great why aren't people lining up to fucking join it and what is the value proposition so <laughs> from what little i know and understand of marxism the value proposition is is um a, a dictatorship of the proletariat uh, workers revolt all of that good stuff there was a time in Cambodia where the where the vast majority of the peasant population actually owned their land. That's a whole nother conversation, but but it it comes down to this. We have not even begun to imagine what ecological warfare would look like where it is constructive and creative and non-destructive. And I'm sure there's all kinds of um, 
covert green beret green operations where they have gone out there and said fuck these people are starving they're playing right into the hands of whatever force we want them to not be getting played into fuck let's go in there with seeds and let's let's help them i'm sure there's been all kinds of stories of like what what i would be surprised to know or basically like yeah dude there is tactical permaculture it was just classified <laughs> well hopefully hopefully uh as time goes on we'll we'll hear more about about good stuff like that but on a on a scale to where like if i mean just i i just think about how how interesting it would be if there was nuance to say if you were going to <laughs> use force impose force on a on on a um on your target nation for some objective that you will get sanctions package A versus sanctions package B if you do whatever it is you're trying to do in a not just the carbon emissions but in terms of like acknowledging the 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 rights of the land the rights of the ecosystems if you do not fucking trample anything with and you don't devastate and scar the landscape with the scorched scorched earth policy maybe you can actually through some more slower and organic uh more <laughs> like um you're going to have to be more of a peacemaster than a, than a warlord with this but if it's but if if you can i mean that's the thing like you don't have to be in the fucking CIA to know that you will spend less money and you will spend less lives of your warriors your soldiers if you can convince your opposition to surrender by making sweet terms and deals for them to do so or or at least convincing them that there's a sweeter deal like you're going to get fed better in our POW camps than you're going to get fed by your own broken ass <laughs> fucking supply chain of your own chain of command and so there is a a compelling offer there there's 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 competitiveness in in the the sort of economy of um of of soldiers fighting for basically money more than anything else i mean there's so many quotes about um being outnumbered indigenous people being outnumbered doesn't doesn't matter you know the, the will of one indigenous fighter against 10 invaders there's all kinds of battlefield poetry about that kind of stuff and it, and it plays out for real so i i dare to wonder what what's possible 
with a little bit of, um, I mean, fuck, I, I, I could not imagine there being like a, a permaculture Stalinism or something like that. But I often think about how it's just like, God, is this, of all of these dramas of war going for so many, so many cycles of war, so many chapters of war between capitalism and communism, like words, theories, ideologies hammered out by intellectual dudes a long time ago not that long ago but it's like fuck it's scary but also it's an interesting um point to make that uh well if if it's that if it's if it's possible and it seems to be like that much of a fluke or basically that arbitrary that some fucking compelling manifesto <laughs> sort of snowballs into where what it's become then of course I would never want I would never want anything that I say to be as bastardized as like the works of Marx have become But I have got to wonder, I mean, permaculture is this psychedelic fucking thing where it's like once it gels and you become initiated and activated to basically think like the forest, you are trained to think like the forest. And that's just one 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 uh, poetic way that I can I can state the um The beauty of it, the the magic of it, the the uh, enchantedness of it, the the fantasy. You know, this is like the magic, all the uh, Lord of the Rings. You know, I mean, permaculture is is enchanting as much as it is scientific, and. And there, yeah, there's, I mean, if you, you could play a game sitting there going like, I wonder what person XYZ would do with the power and influence they have if only they were thinking like a forest the way we do, not because we're in a cult of the leader, but because we are in a community of citizen scientists who have been whose lives have been changed by the, the lived experience of, of uniting with ecology and, and seeing the, um, the very experiential and very ancient the very ancient wisdom <laughs> I mean we got, we got, we, humans did pretty well on this planet for a very long time without a lot of diseases and without a lot of violence. And so permaculture is one of the ways to take the studies of those peaceful, egalitarian, abundant, 
Paleolithic and sort of um, Mesolithic life ways and um, and adapt them to the modern world. And for that to be a two-week course and, you know, a few pretty dense but, but, but still <laughs> readable books and actually a lot of books, but if you wanted to get straight down to it, it's like, We, we fucking know how pathetic and embarrassing and how insulting it is to the, <laughs> to the spirit of the forces that created the intelligence that humans have for things to be, well, in the words of Bill, Bill Mollison, why is humanity falling into holes of its own making, you know? So, yeah, I, I got to wonder... I got to wonder what it would look like if that initiatory experience of a permaculture design course was standard curriculum at West Point, standard curriculum at Quantico Let these fucking infinite budget, warlike let the fucking intelligence agencies of the world fucking have their <laughs> their entire paradigm ecologized by taking the permaculture design course. And, and then things could just get really fun <laughs> and then things could get really beautiful and if you want people to think like you and talk like you and fuck like you then you have to you, know, you have to throw a better party and you, you have to throw a better garden party <laughs> but, but it ain't about having an autocratic political party on any end of the spectrum but how about that and I will shut the fuck up now <laughs> I will go choke myself I want to say to all of the fucking warlords of the world throw a better garden party Oh.